Uh, welcome back to the third and final hour at uh, 14 past 11. We are the talking point on uh, SAFM. So uh, we invited, uh, as we start the year, we thought to use the opportunity to talk about the elections to watch out for on the African continent. Three countries that uh, commentators are worried about are Zimbabwe, Nigeria and the DRC. In West Africa, the worry has been mostly on the return of coups something that uh, some analysts believe could be orchestrated by Western powers. So let's navigate the issue of uh, elections in Africa in, in this year with uh, advocate Sipo Mandula, who is an African analyst. Uh, thank you, by the way. You chose that uh, song for us that we played, Advocate. Uh, the group is called Culture, and the song is called Election. Tell me why you chose that song, Advocate Mandula. Good morning. Uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you very much. Happy Kwanzaa and to the listeners. Um, refreshing morning once more. I thought taking that song is just to reflect this cycle that you know is Komuto. Every after five years, uh, there's always elections in Africa or in the world, which we will call a Washington consensus, where we have to have democracy, we have to have governance, but we use the ballot as the measurement or as the uh, uh, what can say the uh, the litmus test? If we have to look at elections, we look at governance and we look at democracy. That's how in Africa we are looking at. Yeah. So, I mean, let's go through some countries, advocate, I think, uh, you know, uh, in my introduction, one of the ones I mentioned is Zimbabwe. Uh, you know, why are people worried about, uh, you know, what uh, potentially those elections will look like uh, with um, Nangwangwa, uh, 80-year-old Nangwangwa wanting re-election? Now, when you look back at Zimbabwe, Emerson Dambusa Munangwangwa from 2018, remember their last elections was in 2018, but before that, there was elections in 2013, which were mostly seen as if they were going to be violent. I was there as an observer. Mm. I don't think they were violent uh, compared to the one of 2018. And also, uh, the issues of Zimbabwe having challenges on the economy, uh, issues around corruption. So automatically, you'll have the problem even of the diaspora. Zimbabweans who want to cast a vote, but they are outside their country. And also, the by-elections that they held last year, uh, where Chamisa uh, having opened a new party, Triple C, Citizens for Coalition for Change, it has given ZANU-PF another challenge. Even if we know that Nangawa, as I was listening to you early in the morning, you were talking about the age of our leaders into this in a mm. state. Why is the age uh, a concern? It is correct, it is committed to be raising that issue because uh, the issue of who will succeed Munangawa, it is problematic because Shiwenga also is old, is, is almost 70. Mm. And when you look at Chamisa, Chamisa is very young, he's even under 50, you know, uh, as the opposition leader. So Zimbabwe is the issues around uh, militarization of elections, that they always think that the military is always um, uh, infiltrating electoral space. Mm. And also... There's an issue around the cost. Elections, they're the cost. Yeah, they don't, and they don't come cheap. They don't come cheap, mm. correctly. So, I mean, the, the issue of age, I think uh, you raise uh, the point of issue of the issue of age again. Um, and, and I think it's, it's important for us to delve into it. Um, Africans are younger, right? Africans uh, are generally getting younger and younger. We have a very young generation uh, in Africa. For example, the average South African is 27 years old. And yet our leaders in the continent are getting older and older. How do we... <laughs> 
Why, what should we read into that? No, that is very problematic because they will not even prepare the young ones to take over because if you look at even the one country that we are going to look at, uh, uh, Abuja, Lagos, mm. uh, both candidates are also about 70, only the one who's 61. But also we look at their age, but how long they stayed into power. You know, you know, you remember that in 19, in 2001, we thought Kabila and people like uh, Kagame were the youngest leaders. But what we saw from them, there was this appetite to can stay long in power. Mm. And as we spoke about constitutional coups also, that's what pushes even to have this military coup. Because once you have a president like, I'll tell you one of the longest standing presidents in Africa since 1979, is from Equatorial Guinea. Uh, Theodore Obiang Nguema, followed by Paul Bia from Cameroon since 1982. Uh, Denis Sasson from Congo, uh, almost in power for 38 years. Museveni since 1986, uh, almost 86 years in power. And, then, and, and, and that's how, when you have to look at their age, you have to look even at their uh, stay in power, how long mm, they've been mm, in mm. the state house. And that is a challenge of maybe... Uh, politics don't even uh, encourage women leaders. They mm. don't encourage youthful leaders mm. to become immediate successors. Because I think it's how do we prepare yes. these young people to become future presidents. So let's go then to the issue of Nigeria, because uh, February is just around the corner. And, and there's a great deal of expect- expectation amongst the very young voters, again, that age things, uh, that age thing comes, comes, comes up. Uh, and they're very eager to see the end of a, a, a Mohammed Bu- a Buhari uh, era. Buhari is not going for the third term, and he has not to do what other presidents will do. Uh, change the constitution, call for the referendum. I think he's going to retirement, being happy to say that at least when he came into power for the past 10 years, there was even stability, despite that he has to deal with insecurity in the north, he has to deal with corruption, he has to deal with Ebola, he has to deal with the economic challenges of the Naira. But as you have said, I mean, Sister Komos, what is important also beyond the age of candidates the electorate are young people also. So in Nigeria, you have more young people who are going to be voting for the first time uh, under the age of 35. And very young people who I can say to you, we are talking here of more than uh, uh, a million of young people who will be running for these elections as voters. But the candidate for presidential, Peter Obi, is only 61. Mm. And when you look at the one who will succeed Buhari, Bola Tinuba, a former governor of Lagos, she's 70 years old. Yeah, and then so when you go 61 versus 70. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, the other one, Abu Bakr, Atiku, uh, Atiku Abu Bakr, who is the opposition leader, he's also old, he's, he's, he's almost 70 years. Yeah. And all these leaders, they are grappled with corruption allegations. That is another fear. Yeah. Please pause your thoughts and, and apply them to, you know, the, the, the economic downturn that Nigeria faces and how that will impact the choices of the of that the voters will make. And you can tell me that when we come back, because I have to take a quick commercial break. We are in conversation regarding uh, key elections to watch out for in Africa in 2023. And uh, we're having this conversation with African analyst advocate Sipo Mandula. We'll be back in a short while.
We're talking the year 2023 and uh, the elections that will be ushered in in our continent by the year 2023 with advocate Sipo Mandula, who's an African analyst. Uh, Nigeria is grappling, uh, you know, like like most of us, an economic downturn and majorly heightened uh, insecurity amongst its citizenry. How much of an influence do you think that will be in the decisions made, in the decisions that people will make, the electorate will make? make when they go and cast their ballots next month? It is difficult because when you say Nigeria decides and you look at your presidential candidates, uh, other analysts in that country since July last year, they were saying they don't inspire confidence because what they will do, those who will succeed Buhari, they will, they will uh, still have to smoke the uh, poison chalice of structural uh, uh, issues of corruption, structural issues of managing the oil, the issues around the uh, uh, security of uh, Boko Haram, but also to deal with their own challenges as, uh, as the second, I mean, as the one of the largest economic powerhouse in the African continent, because they are still relying on the loans from China. Mm. They are still relying, I mean, relying on loans from Russia. So if you look also, the global geopolitics are pushing even the voters either to abstain or not even, I mean, to have a voter party, if I can use that word. Mm. That you have more young people saying, but who will be the best candidate? Because they are not dealing with our issues, immediate needs, like mm. uh, unemployment. They don't deal with the issues of uh, insecurity. They don't deal with corruption because one of the leaders also who is a presidential candidate, one of his chief campaigners was arrested last week, you know, for uh, corruption charges. So it already dampens the spirit of electorate. But as you know, African uh, political parties, they have a way of influencing voters to be on their side. Yeah. And then Sierra Leone and, you know, DRC, DRC, DRC go, uh, I think, in December, if uh, my memory yeah, for, is serving me right. And, you know, uh, the, the current pr- president, uh, Chisekedi, has been in power since uh, 2019. No, correctly. This, this is the second time where DRC is going for the elections. But one of the challenges is that he might be facing the same uh, familiar faces, same voices. You think of Martin Fayula, who was one of the opposition leaders, uh, Moise Katumbi. There was also lack of women candidates in those elections in 2019. Remember, there were delayed elections yes. in, Eastern, I mean, in the DRC. They were supposed to be in 2016. They were pushed to 2018. Yes. And only in 2019. They ultimately happened, power. yes. You know, so if you look at the elections of Congo, we are talking almost 11 months from now, December, when it comes next year, and, and I mean this year. And my worry is that the Komodo, having been there before also, is the fear that they always want to have their elections during rainy season. And you know what is the challenge is that when you have to go to the rural areas, it's difficult to can deploy observers, difficult mm. to deploy electoral ballots and other materials that are very critical. So I don't know why did they choose they are electoral days when they know it's a rainy season. And mostly it is a period where they are aware that um, the UN peacekeeping missions, all they are active in that area. But DRC is having many challenges. They are having a conflict with their neighboring Rwanda um, as they are going for these elections. Um, Sasekedi is currently the chair of SADC. He might want to have a backup from 
the certain countries in these elections which automatically push South Africa uh, to be an ally. Because remember, we have assisted DRC since 2001, mm. and we, I mean, we had our peacekeepers actually since 1998 in the Eastern DRC. We pushed the inter-Congolese dialogue in 2001 in San City. We also assisted them in the first democratic elections in 2006 and 2011. But the challenge of the DRC, can tell you, is when you have a long ballot of presidential candidates. When I was in 2006, there were more than 80 candidates. But now I think there will be very few. Yeah. We have voice notes, uh, Advocate. Let's hear what uh, our listeners have to say. Thank you, KG, on this topic. On African leadership, KG, we need to break that cycle. African history speaks to a mind that is filled with fear. It has been made to think that it cannot make it. It cannot think, it cannot build a system. It was only educated to serve a system. We need to pull down those strongholds in the mind and to begin to build the African child. That African child can be a leader, they can be creative, they are brilliant. We begin to dismantle that way of thinking to prepare an African child for the future, for the future leadership. And I do believe that we have to begin here. This is Nikki from Bloom. Thank you. You know, this whole thing about age of uh, presidents in Africa, I just wonder why they, they actually cling to power because they don't get pensions, I don't think. And the moment they are voted out, they, half of them are probably assassinated so that they don't come back. You know, whereas in South Africa, all our presidents and ex-presidents all get pensions. I mean, David Mabusa stepped down not going uh, forward for the next election, and he still gets his pension of 2.3 million a year. So what's the problem? It's only in South Africa that the guys are financially secure. The rest of Africa, they get nothing. Hi, my sister. Uh, African leaders age. It's only an issue when an African leader is old, like our dear uh, president, Emerson Nangagwa. But when it comes to their American leaders, it's not a problem in the rest of the world. How old is Joe Biden? Why is it an issue when it is Africa? And to make matters worse, it's us Africans criticizing our own. Anonymous. Anonymous, I, you know, for me, the way I look at it is I gauge it based on uh, the age of the popular, uh, I mean, of the, 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 the population of the African continent. Africans are younger and younger and younger. I know that Joe Biden is, is uh, quite um, aged himself. I don't know, uh, you know, seemingly we're, we're being criticized for criticizing African leaders af- advocate on their age. For me, I base it on the age of the population. No, correctly, but maybe they are reminding us that age is not a number. Maybe it's that maybe age is not a number. But also the issue is that uh, the more you stay into power, is the more you are making mistakes. Like I said to you, some of them they even get sick and they stay for more than hundred days out of office. Like Buhari once yes. went to a medical treatment for more than hundred days. 
He took almost three months before he can elect the cabinet, by the way. So the issue with agency is that even if, like, uh, I don't, uh, Paul Kagame will say that, but if people like you, why don't you want us to be voted in? Yes, Europeans might stay into power because they have monarchies, most of them, but I think in Africa we need to have that change of power. I think Brad, you had a song where he said, Things Every, have to change. Everything you know? must change. <laughs> everything must change, you know. And he even reminded us, like Bonyarere, Nelson Mandela, he, he was reminding us of leaders who already said, I will only go for the two terms and I'll be out, you know. <laughs> Speaking so of, of, me, Ill, I, of illness, uh, let's yeah. not forget Gabon because, uh, you know, President Ali Bongo is yeah. looking like he will be re-elected by members of the that Gabonese Democratic Party. But we must remember he suffered a stroke, which left Correct. him struggling to walk, uh, you know, uh, but they are unwilling to retire him, uh, you know, uh, uh, and the, his family has ruled over the oil-rich Gabon since 1967. No, 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 correct. It's the same like Paul Bia. For me, I also said some of this president, which I think one of your topics must be on, this is almost one day, is the presidential uh, guards or how, how presidents in Africa are also being given security more than its own citizens. If you can look at that, you'll find people like Paul Bia, they are sitting in many presidential guards. Why are they having uh, security guards, most of them? And I think one of the colors was not correct to be saying presidents in Africa are not being taken care of. They are. Let's look at Uhuru Kenyatta now. Uhuru Kenyatta has been given task as an envoy. Um, uh, uh, President Goodluck Jonathan has been given task to deal with the Mali crisis. So there's a life after presidency. I, I don't think we should undermine that. And I think the first caller was correct, the mind of an African child. But it also goes to the mind of our African presidents and prime ministers and leaders who are going for this election. Do they put the mind of an African child before they are profits now? Yeah. Do they put also a sound mind to these elections that are not contested only in the, uh, in the battlefield or they go to the court? Because you'll understand elections also, they have a, a tendency to create conflict. So like you are saying, the concern of experts are that Zimbabwe should not go for, I mean, should not even have a, a violent election. Mm. The same like, DRC, mm. the same like uh, Abuja that you are dealing with. But like we know, there are many. You are talking about Sierra Leone. Uh, Libya has not had elections for almost two years now. Uh, the land of George Weah. Uh, I want to talk about George Weah because George Weah yeah, was at Qatar. On a spree. They, they were calling it a, a, <laughs> a long-term spree of 40 days outside the country. So, and, and I mean, you know, uh, it's a country that uh, is still recovering from years of civil war uh, mm. and that devastating epidemic. And, uh, you know, uh, he's struggling, George Weah, to, to, and I think he came on the corruption ticket, but he seems yeah. to be to be struggling to tackle rampant cor- corruption. In, instead, he himself goes to Qatar, to the World Cup, to have one fat party. Yeah, but remember, I was going to watch his son. He was playing for another colonizer. He was playing for the USA. Yes. But let's look back at uh, the the uh, the leadership of George Weah again. They are going for the elections, but they've been having challenges of civil war in that country, devastating Ebola uh, epidemic. And like you said correctly, he has been failing to tackle corruption in that country. And rather, he has been going to COP27, Egypt, going to the USA summit, going to World Cup. But I think also that will be based on how will electorate 
Mm. Judge him. How will they even accept his presidency as a former soccer player to become a political head of state? And that's how it is critical. The other country that we might have missed is Gabon. Like we are talking about Gabon. Yes. Gabon is going for the elections. Uh, the family has been in power since 1967. By yes, the way. remember we uh, just spoke about uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the president having suffered a stroke, Ali Bongo, President Ali, Ali Bongo. Bongo. Yes, correct. Yes, and then we have uh, Sierra Leone. Finally, as you have said, also uh, uh, Julius Mada Bio expected to go for a second term. Uh, also Sierra Leone, we don't expect a lot of violence, but also there's a high cost of living issues around corruption. So all these elections is that you might have elections, but after elections, what next? Will they bring governance? Will they bring uh, 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 development to the people? I still doubt because I've seen elections in some instances become elections. People select their friends, their families to get into power. Yeah, uh, I want to play some voice notes, but I also want to, uh, to your thoughts on, on, on you know, the preparation, because South Africa is going on to preparation for elections itself in 24, which means this year, the, you know, that the, our, our ears will be highly uh, 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 involved in issues of engagement around election, because they are going to go on the campaign, political parties in our country, to try and convince us to vote for them in 24. But as you apply your mind to that. Let's hear some voice notes. My sister, the age of the population in Africa is, is roughly 27 on average, but it must bear in mind that life is slow in Africa. In Europe and in America, by age 27, a person has already got a lot of wealth and assets. So life is very slow. You only begin to make money at, at the very uh, end of your, your lifestyle. That's why leaders cling to power. Whether it's president, minister, and whatever, you have to. And in addition to that, like, like the other uh, listener said, there's no pension in most of these African countries. So the guy has to cling onto power until his his last day on earth that, that unfortunately that's way that's the way it is we need to look at africa on its own not to look at africa uh, comparing it with other uh, countries in the world we are totally different good morning kg this is simon here in chemistan you know uh, this issue of agement of the readers of africa i think most of the young people in the politics they are busy with the fighting with the, the opposition and what, what they do. They are not challenging the presidential seat. That's the only problem. Those old, old Madalas, they, they are fighting for that seat, while us, we are busy fighting for our opponents. That's the only reason of us, our young, us young men, young people. We are busy fighting for the opposition. Because you can't see the old man busy fighting with the other, but us, we are busy fighting uh, oppositions. That's all. We have to change our mindset. That's all. Hi, KG. This is this is Jameson here in Cape Town. Happy New Year. Thanks for the topic. And I think to, to my point of view, uh, the best way which uh, which is supposed to be done is it's like um, uh, the parties itself in uh, our perspective countries, they need to accommodate youth so that they must actually be uh, coming from the grassroots grassroot level, working with the elders, so that in, in uh, when time comes, they should also be uh, there for, for, for the position of the president. 
But due to the monopoly of, the, of the, our politicians, that is why the youth are not taking part into that. But it's not, um, had it been in the, also the youth itself should also be, uh, have courage in themselves so that they can actually uh, stand and challenge those big positions. Because when you talk about age, we need you, you need also to be matured. Age is just a, a number, but the maturity itself in mind, that's what matters. Good afternoon, my sister. Good afternoon, Sipo. Uh, you know what I see, why they, they are putting old people there by, to be presidents? It's because they want to do corruption, whatever they can do, that president can't see anything, is old, can't take action. And uh, I haven't seen a, a president who can fix a country or economy that uh, in future he won't be part of the, uh, that economy. So whatever the economy goes, whichever way it, it goes, he doesn't care. Thank you. So in case it Good morning, KG. Good morning, listeners of Radio SAFM. I wish you all a beautiful and successful 2023. Speaking of age, we need to realize also that we quite, our leaders start quite late in terms of leading. The only problem, when it becomes a problem, is when they only want to lead and not want to be led. So they must just learn the skill to listen to us as well so that we can go forward all of us. Thank you, Maria April Springbok in the Northern Cape. Thank you, everyone, for uh, your thoughts and your voice notes. Uh, advocate um, your thoughts on what they're saying and your thoughts on what also we should prepare ourselves for as South Africans as we get ready, of course, uh, to uh, go and vote ourselves in 24. Well, it's Commissioner and thanks for those comments. I think they were very, uh, they were mostly supporting what we're saying and also questioning us not to compare ourselves with the European standards. But I think coming back to South Africa, I was looking that if you can recall last year, there was a meeting of many uh, countries on the elections in the continent, in the world. And when I look at the current chairperson of the uh, IEC, when we're talking about our elections coming 2024, he raised an important issue. He says that we can no longer focus on counting the numbers of registered voters and ballot papers. We must now look at what are the challenges on electoral processes, democracy, development. What impact does it bring to the electorate now? Because even if we, I mean, we are all aware, South African electoral management body, uh, 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 is normally prepares 24 months ahead. But remember, in South Africa, we have this challenge of a legislation, which for the first time we are going to have independent candidates now mm-hmm. contesting to become members of Parliament, and mm. that's how you could look at that. South Africa is having challenges of even voter apathy that happened in our local government mm. elections mm. might also be another challenge for us. Also, remember the Zondo Commission uh, recommendation must be implemented. So some of the political candidates might be campaigning when actually they are waiting to be charged by the courts. So you are going to have challenges of candidates who might be facing criminal and civil charges by the state and also the voter are party, but what we should be pushing also is even if we have more political parties in Komoso, are we dealing with our national issues or interests? What are the immediate challenges that faces South Africa? Is it electricity, water, unemployment, corruption? What are those issues that affect 
I mean, ordinary South Africans that will push them to go to the uh, ballot boxes and cast their votes. But as you have said, those comments, I mean, those comments that came also on the African continent, yes, it is quite true that the African continent has to grow beyond this ageism of our leaders. Mm. But what is important is also to avoid this issue of from father to son. You know, one thing that we have never spoken about is presidents who also, when they're about to leave power, they give their reign to their children. Mm, it's you a, know, it's almost like a family business. It is like a family business. Mm. There was one colleague of mine who was from Zimbabwe, Dr. Rupia, who used to say, in the name of the father and son, mm-hmm. think that mm-hmm. presidential uh, 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 candidates and leaders, they also, when they're about to leave power, they think their family will be the ultimate successors. And this is the challenge that we are facing. And finally, I think this comment, like I said earlier on my introduction, the election cost in Africa is something that we have to deal with. Do we need to really have these millions and millions? Because Biden, that's what he did last month. Mm. Biden promised DRC a lot of money. He promised Abuja a lot of money. I don't think he has promised Zimbabwe because he also put sanctions on Zimbabwe. Mm. So if you think of the election project, who's funding election projects in Africa? What is the interest that they are looking after? And that's how we should be able to assess it and even our observer missions, uh, whether it's AU or SADC, do they really observe elections or are they what I call uh, observer tourists in that country rather than community clear reports? Yeah. Thank you for your thoughts and thank you for your time, Advocate. We appreciate it very much. Asante sana, Raleigh